0: Hey, welcome back everyone. Uh, as we move to the next panel, um, it's my pleasure to introduce the panel chair, Dr Susan Liddy, who lectures in the Department of Media and Communication Studies in Immaculate College in Limerick, and her research relates primarily to gender issues uh, in the Irish film industry. She's chair of Women in Film and Television Ireland and also chair of the Equality Action Committee, a joint committee of the Writers Guild and the Screen Directors Guild, very well represented here today, uh, concerned with advancing equality in the Irish film industry. So I give you Susan. Thank
1: you. I told you to right I don't have anything on I'm just talking. Oh, okay. Yeah. No PowerPoints for me. Um, Good morning, everyone. It's great to be back here. And can I say, first of all, a huge thank you to Ross, Suniva, and the team in the IFI for facilitating this discussion, not alone the gender one, although obviously I think that's hugely important, but for this great day and for the pleasure of being asked back again. So I'd like to tell you, first of all, how we're going to do this, uh, because it's a little bit different to other years, uh, because basically we used to be craning our necks there trying to see the interesting (laughs) PowerPoints, and, and we're not doing that today. So I'm going to introduce each of the speakers, (coughs) we're going to sit where we are in the front row, and one by one they're going to come up, and when we have no questions in between please, because this will make it easier, I think, and when we all finish we'll take to the table, and then we would be hoping uh, that you would all uh, get involved in the discussion. So to introduce the panel I would like to start by introducing our first, who's going to be our first speaker, known to you all of course, Sinévo Flynn, head of Irish Film Programming in the Irish Film Institute. Where she looks after curation of content and context um, uh, for Irish works, including features, docs, and shorts. And she's also concerned with bringing older Irish films to audiences not only in the IFI but also nationally. Next, we have uh, Annie Duna, Dr. Annie Duna. I should correct that, Annie. Yes, we were saying that Dr. is missing from Annie's um, name there. Dr. Annie Duna chairs Queen Ireland and President of IADT. Annie has extensive experience in strategy development, educational leadership, um, curriculum design and development and also has a longstanding uh, commitment to gender and diversity, long before she was chair of the film board, it has to be said. Uh, finally, Fanula Murphy, manager of sectoral learning and development to the BAI, which supports the achievement of greater sustainability for the audiovisual sector. Fanula has a background in IT, drama, education and language. So maybe you give a round of applause to our panel before they even begin. Uh, thank you. Um, and can I ask uh Seneva they're each going to give a presentation of about ten to fifteen minutes and then we will move on to hopefully an engaged discussion. Thank you.
0: Um,
2: so, uh, hello everyone. I'm delighted to be back uh, for Spotlight 2019. Uh, it is, as you know, uh, our, one of our key moments in, in the IFI's year to take a moment and reflect on what has been produced and what is being exhibited. Uh, for us, uh, the day and this particular session um, is a, a moment or it represents our ongoing process of uh, self awareness, of looking at what we're doing, uh, how we're doing it, uh, to whom uh, we're doing it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, we, we look at the programme. You know, in recent years, we have become, thanks to Ross, I think, you know, far better at, at planning and looking at years ahead and periods ahead and, and looking at where there may be gaps in the programme and, and what we might do to address that. I think in, uh, at Spotlight 2017, uh, we had that interesting moment where we had the first of these gender sessions, uh, and we began to think about F ratings and uh, looking at what we were doing in the IFI in terms of representation of women on screen. And uh, you know, I think that, that, that kind of fun moment when we talked about the F word, we were all a bit um, giddy with it. It um, really was the beginning of a very kind of considered process of uh, looking at women on screen, and happily then others followed suit on the, uh, the Screen Ireland and the VAI. Uh, well, together, you know, we have been uh, looking at women on screen, particularly Irish women on screen, and how we share those stories. Um, so, what I'm just going to do over the next few minutes is, is kind of nip through uh, IFI exhibition uh, on screen here and. Uh, This year we just cast the net a little bit wider and look not just at uh, exhibition of women's work and representation of women on the screens here in IFI, but we're also thinking about uh, screenings for younger people and screenings outside of these four walls. Um, So um, in our strategy which we um, published in 2017, uh, the IFI board and staff and declared that we would aim for an outcome by 2022 uh, for a deeper understanding. Oh, glasses would be good. Um, deeper understanding of the variety of film by reflecting a diversity of thought in our programming cho- choices through different voices, eras, genders, and cultures. So, our looking at gender is just one of those ways at ensuring that you know we, we spread a wide cultural net and we include in as many uh, disparate voices as possible in our programme. And here's just kind of a snapshot. I will be looking particularly at 2018, so this is just kind of a snapshot to remind you all um, of the exciting programming that we we undertook in 2018. Uh, I think the covers tell a particular story. You know, the covers on our printed program, which is distributed to 25,000 people, um, 60,000 going out to members, 10,000 are distributed around the city. there is a certain amu- amount you might gather from the content of the covers, um, in two thousand and eighteen, I will come clean and admit that there uh, were just two women directors in two thousand and eighteen uh, in other years there have been more um, but w- we would of course foreground women where possible um, but there are various factors that would influence uh, the choice of of cover and um, it may be um, time of the month, and I don't mean that in any <laughs> sense. Uh, it, by time of the month, I mean, of course, um, you know, when, when a film, if a film is coming out in the first week of the month, it, it probably isn't ideal to run the cover because we want it to have a long shelf life and so on. And um, we, you know, quite, um, I mean, quite frankly, uh, you know, one of the the the, the key. Uh, Factors in choosing our program is in, in maximizing box office. So, you know, if, if there's a title that we need to push, that we need to maximize box office so that we can um, conduct business most effectively, that will go on. But I think it's interesting to look at the covers, and um, I think it's it's uh, interesting to see the kinds of images of women that are there. I think, um, by and large, there are women here with, with agency. There's women doing things, whether they're dancing or putting up billboards or. or Transitioning from teenage years to womanhood. So you know, I I, I don't think you know. In chatting with Sean Lines, or head of marketing, you know, together we we were relieved to see that there you know there, there weren't any salacious images of women, and um, thank goodness. And um, so uh, the F rating. So uh, as I mentioned this week, we introduced the F rating in twenty seventeen. Many of you are familiar with it. Uh, the the, the Selection criteria or rules around F-rating have changed somewhat in the last number of years. What it is now um, in IFI, it's not really clever, isn't it? can well, um, So what, what the I, what the the is now is uh, quite simply it's 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 a. a accreditation to films that are directed or written by a, woman, by a woman, so it's slightly narrower than it was at the outset where it also was, uh, it, it referred also to content of films where women, women had played a primary role uh, in it, so we apply the F rating across uh, our programme and people can see what, what films are directed with by women and, and it perhaps would attract women um, but but broad audience as well. Um, so I think then it's interesting and appropriate to look at uh, how we 're doing with the F rating, and um, so this is numbers of films um, across our program, so it includes in new releases, retrospective seasons, and so on. Uh, it looks at uh, actual figures for the the numbers of titles we show so I suppose the two, mo- and these are just the leading countries, it isn't including f- countries where we would have fewer, fewer titles, so I suppose the most interesting figures there to look at are you know, all titles, so all world titles, we, there are 416 titles in the programme, uh, 113 of those uh, passed the F rating um, and for Irish material, 49 uh, films were, were screened and 9 of those were written or directed by women. I'll translate those into percentages because they may be more f- meaningful. So, uh, across our program, 27% of films pass the F, F rating. So I think that's, that's pretty impressive, may I say that? I, you know, I think from a position of three or four years ago, I think the, the, the representation of women has changed. We're, we're gradually chipping away and including in more material um, directed and written by women. Um, I. As I said a moment ago, because the criteria for F rating have changed, it's not terribly useful to do a comparative across the past three years on F rating. So I've dug down a little and and, and pulled out instead figures on films directed by women that that appear in our programme. So for 2018, uh, out of 340 titles directed by men, 64 are directed by women Uh, Across the entire program, and twelve are co-directed by men and women in partnership, Um, and of new releases, uh, ninety-three directed by men and twenty-two by women. Now, I think it's it's. I'll translate those into percentages there, um, so we can see that um, there's uh, that's the spread across seasons and new releases, and I, I suppose the what is interesting to look at between the two. Uh, is that new releases, to some extent, um, we would have less control over what we're screening for new releases. We, we, you know, we, we of course, there is some selection criteria. We do choose, and my colleague David O'Mahony, who looks after the programme, would would select what films are to be screened, but we would have more kind of creative input into the broader programme, which would include seasons, um, archival material, archival lunchtime, retrospectives, and so on, so uh, the, the, the old titles is probably more reflective of our programming um, uh, ingenuity than, than the new releases, which to some extent is is limited by what is available at any given time. Um, the So here's an interesting one, and this as I say, isn't one that I could have done quite yet with the F rating because you know it, it has changed; the rules have changed. But these are figures across for the past three years, looking at changes uh, in uh, how women are represented on screen in the IFI programme. Um, I'm giving you percentages here, so you see that there has been a gradual improvement. Um, it's not radical; it's gradual, but it is an improvement. So uh, today, in 2018. And um, 15.62% uh, of films directed by women are appearing in our programme, as opposed to 14% in, in 2016. So, um, we're we're working away on it and, and this process of uh, conscientisation, our gender awareness, uh, you know, is is one that we welcome, um, and 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 we're working away with, and it's it's, it's a constant um, in, in our programming choices. And so I'm just going to pull out a couple of interesting uh, women in film moments in 2018. I think two of the uh, strongest um, programming uh, moments uh, as um, uh, curated by my colleague and Kevin Coyne in the cinema's office were the Agnes Varda season, Cleaning Truths, which were six feature films, and the Ida Lupino season, in which we had five feature programs. So in both these cases, David and Kevin and the team there would kind of particularly go out and look at world cinema and see where are their overlooked uh, figures not always women of course but you know where there are directors who perhaps need to be reclaimed from uh, the past from obscurity uh, whose work is, is worthy of celebration and I think it's interesting that in 2018 uh, there was these two uh, very strong filmmakers whose work appeared uh, in our program. Uh, Irish women in 2018. Um, we had, uh, what have we got there, five uh, releases of films directed by women. Uh, those titles will be familiar to you all. Um, we, we were very uh, pleased to give these films uh, releases. And the release is you know, a film that is running for at least a week here in the IFI in our screens, screening multiple times a day. So it's really you know, giving good breathing space uh, for the, the films that are coming through. Um, the, the old titles, so this is all Irish titles, so this would include in the new releases but also films that might have been screened in another strand in our Irish focus strand, for example, which would be kind of single event screens. So across um, the all titles uh, we had 9 women directed works uh, against 39 females. So um, the, 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 those are the figures there, 33% of Irish new releases were directed by women and I think, you know, those relatively healthy numbers are beginning to be a reflection of the uh, strategies that are, that are in place with uh, Screen Island and the BAI where the work coming through directed by women is beginning to be seen on screen. You know, we knew that there would be uh, a, a space between these uh, initiatives being introduced and they're appearing on screen but they're beginning to come through here. Um, some other women on screen events I think that were interesting in 2018. Uh, we programmed uh, a season of films uh, based on adaptation of work by Lady Gregory. It's screened here in the IFI, uh, collaboration with the Abbey Theatre, and then we took it to Thur Valley Lee in Galway during the Galway Film class So this was a really strong programme based on the work of a woman who has probably been overshadowed largely by WB8 so it was rewarding to, to put her up on screen there. Um, the One City, One Book programme in 2018, of course, um, uh, w- was uh, an anthology of women's work, and we looked at Elizabeth Bowen, and um, we screened her very interesting uh, work that she authored, one, uh, Ireland, The Tear and The Smile, and The Last September, which was an adaptation of uh, one of her novels. And then finally there, there was a programme of work relating to travellers that has been very well received by a variety of travellers groups, But we were very pleased to bring it to uh, the Triskel in Cork for the opening of the Cork Women's Traveller Network, uh, where we had a particularly uh, rich session where uh, it was primarily women in the audience who were responding to uh, these films about traveller heritage. That was a a, a rewarding one. so, as I said earlier, I'm not just looking here at uh, material screened within our, our commercial programme. Um, our colleagues in IFI Education, so Alicia McGivern and um, her team uh, would of course programme uh, work for uh, children's schools coming in and also around the country and their concern would be in bringing women's stories to the screen and, and representing young women on screen so that young women in the audience can see reflections of themselves um, so that is always kind of, would always inflect their programming policy um, which they would declare to, to schools um, one of their great successes was their careers in screen day um, in oh that's 2019. Let's say it was two thousand and eighteen. It was two thousand and eighteen. Yes, in two thousand and eighteen, uh, Career Day, uh, Education invited um, a number of women to speak on their areas of practice. Kiva Doyle, uh, Hannah Quinn, Consolata Finn, and Kathy uh, sorry Finn Halligan and Kathy Belton. So again, it's you know very positive uh, for young uh, school girls coming in to see uh, women working so effectively in the industry. So um, that's about the size of my brief. Presentation, and um, I, I I'd be happy to take questions from you all about our strategy in developing audience, and you know, it, it, in sharing our increasing gender awareness with audiences, uh, where the you know an F rating in a program isn't you know is a flag to uh, to promote a film. It's it, it's not suggesting that this is something exclusively for women. This is something that you know we're celebrating the work of women rather than ghettoising it. I hope. <laughs> so, is that <clears> Timmy? <throat>
3: Good afternoon everybody. Um, I'm delighted to be here representing Screen Ireland. I think this is probably the fourth or the fifth um, of these spotlight sessions that I've done. And it's always a really good opportunity to update the audience on what Screen Ireland has been doing and the progress we've been making around gender equality. And I think it's it's really fitting that the panel consists of other funding organisations like BFI, the IFI that screens movies because it's only by working together across a, a series of agencies that we can make any real progress. So what I want to do is, is just share with you where we are in Screen Island and I know there's been a, a fair amount of discussion about Screen Ireland already this morning, and just give you an, an update on um, what's happening in terms of gender. So just to start with some images of some of the really successful female talent this year, so going from uh, Norma to Toomey there on... You're left uh, with the breadwinner, the wonderful Carmel Winters, float like a butterfly in the middle, Ema Reynolds, the farthest, uh, Louise Bagnell, one of my own graduates from IEDT, there uh, with her late afternoon Oscar-nominated short film, and then, in terms of the acting community, Sean McPherson. And I think it's, it's really important that we celebrate the wonderful female talent that is coming out of Ireland both in front and behind the screen, and Screen Ireland is is very clear that part of our role is is to do that. So I'm going to talk a little bit about what we've been doing at Screen Ireland, and I'm gonna end with the statistics, because what I want to do is say, this is where our thinking has been this year around how we move the gender equality debate on, and then share with you the impact that that's had. And this is something that I've been developing myself both at IEDT and just in the general work I do around diversity on these three stages of changing the cultural mindset. So within Screen Island, we decided to look at this and apply this to the work that we've been doing. So stage one is compliance. So where an organisation is compliant around gender equality. So they tick the boxes, whether that's to get funding or to be compliant with a piece of legislation. But really they're just about ticking the boxes. The second is a commitment, a commitment from an organisation to really engage with the whole issue of diversity, intersectionality, gender equality, and to take positive action steps in order to move that debate on and see some real change. And then the third one that I've been looking at is what I've been calling gender and diversity becoming part of the cultural DNA of an organisation. So, in the same way, that maybe a production company or maybe filmmakers think about health and safety, think about funding when they're making a film. They think automatically about diversity, gender, and inclusion. So we thought, let's have a look at what we've been doing in terms of those three areas within Screen Island. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, okay. So we certainly, as Screen Island, as a government-funded agency, and not that well-funded, we keep saying, Um, We have to be compliant, but we want to be compliant. We want to move the gender debate on. So those of you who have been coming to this year on year will remember in 2015, not long after I became chair of Screen Island, we developed our six-point plan, which is very much about what are the six things we need to do around information, around awareness raising, around compliance, that will move the gender debate on. And we still have that, and that's on our website. So we're still committed to education, to training, to um, funding initiatives that really move the gender debate forward. So that is is ongoing. We started to collect the statistics and if you go into our website you will see quarterly statistics, you will see them pitched against the previous year's statistics and you can see where the numbers of women filmmakers, directors, producers, editors, documentary makers etc is moving and I think we believe it's moving in the right direction. So we made a commitment doing that. How many of you actually look at our stats? Yeah, a few people do. So if you haven't had a look, go in. They're they're very easy to find under our gender section and it gives you a good idea of the progress that we feel we've been making. We also felt though that to be compliant, we wanted to implement policy change across all our departments and I'll give you a bit more of an example of that. So what I get irritated at is people often say to me, when you stop being chair in 2021, will it go back to the way it was? And the answer is absolutely not, because what we've been trying to do is get that policy change, that commitment, and it's not been difficult, there is a huge commitment across all departments at the Screen Island and at all levels of staff to really embed diversity and gender within everything we do. So getting that policy change across all departments, I think has been really important. We've done gender bias training, unconscious bias training, recruitment and selection training, for the staff, the creative staff who are making the decisions about funding, and also importantly for our board members, so that the board members have had that training, they've had a look at compliance, they've had a look at moving the situation on, and they've had a look at their own biases and their own ways of dealing with those. And then we've also been encouraging female filmmakers to apply for funding, and I'll say a bit more about that because part of what we want to do is get more women applying for funding who will then be who are eligible to apply for funding, who will then be successful, and that's very important. So we've made a funding commitment to female filmmakers, and we say that all the time. We say we want more diverse voices, we want more female voices coming into what we do. So what have we done specifically? We've enhanced our production and development funding for projects with female writers and directors. So there is additional money. If you bring a project to Screen Island, with female writers and directors, there's 100,000K additional funding available. We've had a female-focused development fund, so we've again put money and put initiative into the development of female filmmakers, because we want to start over here and end over here. It's got to be A to Z in what we do. We've had a POV, a point of view scheme, which is a low-budget production initiative for female talent, so this is going back to the A. This is saying that we wanted female-driven, female-led, female-written projects, low-budget to come in at the early stage and we would support that initiative, that female-only initiative. And something very interesting happened there. We got six applications that were deemed eligible for that scheme that we were looking at. We originally said we would fund three projects. The creative team and, and James Hickey came to the board and said, we want to fund four actually there are four really good female-driven projects there. Will the board support additional money to do that? And we, of course, said yes. So again, we're putting funding behind that commitment. So we're hoping that those four projects will now go forward and and will be made. We put a 50-50 commitment in terms of funding across our shorts, and as you see from the website, we have stuck with that. So there is a commitment and a reality around 50-50 funding. Perhaps more importantly, we now have gender representation considered as part of all our decision-making processes. So it's a bit like the health and safety thing that I was talking about. You know, if you're talking about training, you're talking about health and safety, you are also talking about gender as part of the decision-making process. And I'll just give you an example from my own institution as well about how that works. On all our formal committees and subcommittees at IEDT, the last agenda item now is equality and diversity implications of our decisions. So we go back and we look at what we agreed, at what we talked about, and we note any gender diversity and inclusion implications of that. And it's a really good way, whether that's in IEDT or in Screen Ireland, of focusing the mind and saying, what are the implications of those decisions that we made? And, and I think it's, it's beginning to make people have that awareness all the way through. Obviously, um, I sign when I say Section 481 at the moment, because as you know, we're still in discussion with uh, the new guidelines. But Section 481, very important part of what we do in terms of of very useful and essential tax incentives. So we are adding a gender policy to all our funding contracts. So all production companies applying for the tax incentive over two million euro must submit their gender plan, outlining the gender balance on their projects. As you can imagine, that's had a mixed response. Uh, We think it's essential. If we're getting that embedding of gender and diversity, we have to say you've got to think of it alongside all the other things that you automatically think of when you're looking at your project. So we want to see their gender plan. How are they going to increase the numbers of creatives working on that project? Where are the women directors? Where are the crew that are female? How are they getting them? And that, for me, is really important. We're saying if you want money from Screen Ireland, if you want to get that really, really important tax incentive, you have got to take gender and diversity seriously. We've also done the same thing for training, skills development, and HR. Because again, for Section 481, and for our funding, there is a requirement to talk about training in the industry. Very important. How is that project, how is that series going to add to the training of the creatives and the crew and everyone working on that film. So again, there is a gender balance to be included in the skills development plan to be submitted as part of section 481. So where's your gender plan in terms of your creatives, your crew, the women working on the project? This part is saying in your training and skills development section, what are you doing around promoting and developing female talent? And again, you know, people are going, oh, this is really difficult, and you know, it's hard, and we're saying it's not, we can help you. you know, once you get used to doing this, once it becomes part of what you do, it will be very, very important, and we can help you to do that. And we've said there must be gender balance prioritized across skills development courses, particularly in underrepresented areas. So we want to know how are you helping to get better representation of female talent in your training and skills program. We know that the crews working on films, TV series, TV dramas are still predominantly male. We're making progress, as you'll see, in terms of directors, writers, producers. But if you look at the crew, those who've been on film set, then it's still very gendered. So we're saying, how are you developing female talent, female skills development as part of that project? And again, we say to people, come and talk to us. We can help you, we can point you in the direction of people who can help you. We can help you develop the next generation of crew and of talent. In terms of our own HR processes at Screen Island, we now put a commitment to gender diversity. We have a statement in all our recruitment and all our advertising for posts in Screen Island. So we have a phrase, it's something like a proven commitment to uh, gender and diversity. We're looking for that proven commitment. And, you know, we've just done, as, as you know, um, the recruitment for the new CEO, and hello James. Uh, I, I probably at this point should acknowledge the wonderful work of James Hickey, and I know James is, is doing a, uh, a talk later on, but he's been, he's been a fantastic person to work with. Uh, you know, when we were going for James's replacement, that was there. And believe me, I was part of that interview process. We asked a lot of questions around, what have you done in terms of diversity? improving equality, and what would you do should you be appointed to this role? So that's now part of what we're doing. We're saying if you want to come and work for an organisation that prides itself on diversity and inclusion, you have to buy into that and you have to tell us what have you done. Not, you know, I will do X. What have you done already? What have you been thinking about? How would you take it forward? And you know, and that's interesting because that's challenging for some people. You know, some people come in with great skills, other skills, but i not as well as others to articulate their vision for gender, excuse me, equality and diversity. Uh, you'll be aware that we, we do have a new replacement for James uh, Desiree Finnegan, who will be joining in August. So we're looking forward to Desiree continuing the, the excellent work that Screen Island has been doing around the whole diversity issue. So in terms of our marketing, promotion and communications... We are trying to include gender balance in all our marketing materials. So we're looking, perhaps in the same way as, as perhaps Sineva and the team have been looking at, where are we showing women? Where are you seeing those faces? You know, the older you can see it, you can be it. Where are we showing images of women? How are we making sure that they are front and centre? And how is diversity in terms of travel community, uh, black communities, how is that represented as well? Our talent promotion schemes and events, we make sure that we have female talent. So when we have panels, When we have press events, we're making sure that we are representing the full spectrum of talent in the screen industry. And we have specific (coughs) marketing and advertising focused on our (coughs) female talent. This is something that we are actively promoting. We're now also putting a focus on gender balance as part of our contracts with people who apply for festival funding. And again, that's new for us. So if somebody would like to apply to Screen Ireland for a film festival that they're doing, we're saying to them, how's your gender balance? How many films are you showing by women? How many directors have you got? What does your publicity look like in terms of equality and diversity? And again, that's challenging for people, but if it makes people go away and think, okay, in the same way as IFI have been doing, looking at their programming, if they think, are we in our really good film festival accurately reflecting New Mm -hmm. Ireland? Are we accurately promoting diversity? We say them, then come back, apply for funding. So I think we're trying to embed the whole gender and diversity right through Screen Ireland from start to finish. Some of the wonderful films, Girl from Mogadishu there, um, obviously Saoirse Ronan in Brooklyn. So these are the kind of things that we've been doing around marketing. So this is is, um, some of the work we did in in Cannes where we had um, a whole space in the Irish pavilion that was dedicated to Irish female directors. And that's really important because we get a lot of visitors to that pavilion in Cannes, and it's about that statement that they see when they walk in. that says, we are proud to support Irish female directors. We've had two Women in Hollywood events that we've hosted at the Irish pavilion in Cannes, so we have said, you know, we are happy to host and to support, you know, both financially and with time and money and all the rest of it. We are happy to host those um, in Cannes and to show our commitment, and I think that's really important. And then a uh, very important development that Marion Quinn, who was here, that Marion is still here, uh, did at the Dublin in, yes yeah, she, Dublin International Film Festival this year was our event on, on diversity, that Screen Island, the Diff event on diversity that Screen Island funded and supported. And I think the really good thing about that panel, if you look at it, was the diverse faces that were represented in terms of race in terms of culture and in terms of, of diversity, and that's what we want to see. We want to see the new Ireland, the new island represented in those kind of events and in part of, um, as part of what we do. So we're compliant. We believe that we are committed. We're the second box, if you go back to my three boxes, in that we are trying to do the A to Z across Green Island. And what we want to do is become, and we don't think we're there yet, uh, what we want to do is embed Equality, diversity, and gender as part of the cultural DNA, and we want to see those growth in applications for female filmmakers. So we want female filmmakers to believe in that DNA. We want an increase in films with female talent attached. We want to see more women winning those major awards, and we want to really have the gender and diversity as part of that cultural DNA. So it's not something we need to remember to do or think about. It is embedded in our psyche in the staff that we recruit in our processes. I had lots of lovely images of films, which even that Susan is shouting at me to shut up, I will just go through, it, through these, Nasa Hardiman there, uh, Kathy Brady's wonderful wildfire, Sophie Hyde, Alva the Trolls, you can have a look at these later. So what, what, what impact has that had? So what I did was I took 2018 versus 2017 and just took a few categories to give you an example of what difference it's making. As I said, if you look on our website, you will find the stats going back to 2015. We made a commitment for 50/50 funding for female films, female-led films by 2020. Okay, we have another year pretty much to get there. So, if you look at the fiction, these are the fiction feature films. The figures in brackets refer to 2017. The front figure is 2018. So, we had 38% applications from female writers compared to 15% in the year before. We had 31% with female directors, again, compared to 15. We had 62% with applications, compared to 50. So we're quite pleased with that. We think going from 15 to 38 is really helpful. Now, you know, there's always a health warning because things go up and down a little bit with statistics year on year. But if you go to our website, you'll see the progress from 2015. And then on the right-hand side are the successful projects. So these are the projects that were funded by Screen Ireland. And I won't go through them all, but again, you can see if you just take the directors, 31% applications, 36% of the successful projects have a female director. Again, if you look at animation, you'll see the figures, 55 female writers, 55 successful, they're pretty much the same, actually. But again, female directors, we have 36%, whereas the previous year we had 0%. So we are seeing that progress. I'm nearly finished, Susan. And then documentary, again, if you look at the female directors, 38% in 2018 compared to 25, 37% successful projects. Female producers 50%, that went down slightly, successful projects 42. So we are getting towards that 50% and we believe that if we do all of those things that we said about moving from compliance to the cultural DNA, if we continue to keep the foot on the pedal, with everything from marketing to recruitment to having those policies coming in to working with the production companies, if we continue to keep that pressure on and to have it as part of our DNA, we believe that those figures will, we hope, continue. We've got at the bottom there, we believe that much of the Irish film industry is somewhere between stage one and stage two. Do you agree? Yeah. yeah, nobody thinks they're at stage three. No. no. <laughs> Wouldn't it be good? Um, I don't think my own institution, IEDT, is at stage three either, I have to say. So we believe that somewhere between compliance and a commitment is where most of the industry is. Go back to the top of this, we are doing a lot of work with production companies. We are saying to them, you have got to move from compliance to positive action. You have got to find, develop, work with, seek out, promote, sponsor, all of those female talent. We also are aware in the middle there that we're not great on intersectional diversity. So, you know, the the kind of thing I was talking about, women who represent New Ireland, the traveller community, the black and minority ethnic communities, we've got a lot of work to do still in Ireland and in Screen Ireland around that. And we believe that those perhaps are the challenges that remain for us. But we're trying to get to the cultural DNA model. We believe that what we've been doing is having an impact on the statistics, but we know that there is still... A long way to go, and we need to work and keep the foot on the pedal with the production companies, with the industry, all working together, so that I hope in two years' time I'm standing here going, isn't this fantastic? We've 60% this and 75% that, and we're getting towards that that cultural DNA model. So uh, I just thought we'd share where we are with you. So thank you very much.
4: My name is Fenula Murphy and I am the manager of sectoral learning and development at the BAI. Normally, Stephanie Covey, the head of diversity at the BAI would present at this event. Unfortunately, she's at a conference today, so she can't be here. So, In her place, what I'm going to do is give you a brief high-level update of what the BAI has been doing to implement its gender action plan, which we published last summer. overview of what I'm going to be covering today Um, firstly I'm going to briefly talk about the BAI gender action plan which as you might remember from previous presentations was built on national and international frameworks and it captures four key areas of focus the plan it aims to address gender imbalances both on and off screen on and off air and it was developed after we engaged with the sector and listened to its queries and concerns about under-representation of women in some sections of the industry So we're working to address these issues through the implementation of the plan, as you will hear. And secondly, I'm going to talk about some recent initiatives promoting gender equality in the audiovisual sector. And finally, I'm going to present you with some recent data on BAI sound and vision scheme rounds um, with regard to gender diversity. Um, so, sure last year I know Stephanie outlined how important it was for the BAI to have a larger context for the action plan on gender. And we wanted to ensure that it was aligned to other initiatives at home and abroad. Um, for example, the Council of Europe recommendation on gender equality in the audiovisual sector, um, which was published in September 2017, provided an appropriate framework for it. Um, also, the authority itself has a very strong focus on gender equality in its 2017 to 2019 strategy. I'm not going to go into every detail there because I know we're short on time, but just to let you know that the BAI Gender Action Plan was a key deliverable under um, the strategy. Okay, so as I was saying, there are four key areas of focus. Um, number one here data collection and publication. So, for a long time, it was very difficult to access um, good quality data about the gender gaps in the sector. So, what the BAI has done is it has modified the application form for sound and vision projects so that we can capture data on the gender breakdown of applicants to funding, particularly for the roles of producer, writer, and director. Um, Other areas of data collection include the collection of gender data from broadcasters through their compliance processes. They fill out an annual broadcaster return and they and specify how many males and females are working in managerial positions, non-managerial positions. And um, number two, supporting research. And um, this is something that the BAI has been doing for a long time. We both commission research ourselves, which um, feeds into our policy making. But we also support research projects through various schemes. So, for example, we've just opened a media research funding scheme, which launched on the 17th of April. With a closing date of the 25th of June, um, applications are welcome, and details are on the BAI website for anybody who is interested to apply. Number three, I will um, going to talk about it later. Okay, I just put in a number four there. Um, I'm going to be covering number three in the next few slides. So number four, just with regard to accountability, the BAI now has a gender section in its annual report. So if you read that, you'll see key information and progress under the plan. So just to come back to initiatives and what the plan is doing. So the plan supports a number of initiatives promoting gender equality in the AV sector. For example, the BAI works on an ongoing basis to deliver training and development initiatives which enable women to increase their representation in the media. Networks such as Women in Film and Television Ireland and Women on Air are drivers for change who are supported by the BAI. We also support projects which, who focus on innovative ways to address gender gaps. Uh, The BAI also addresses gender balance through the sound and vision scheme and it focuses on both on screen and off screen initiatives. Um, An on screen example uh, is the current women's stories focus which was launched in conjunction with round 33 of sound and vision. Um, The impetus for this actually came from the EAC, the equality action committee, who were looking to see what the BAI could do to address areas of gender imbalance. and This view was incorporated into the gender action plan. Um, where we came up with some creative ideas, um, including women's stories. So the way it works, in round 33, proposals which focus on women's perspectives were particularly welcomed. And they'll be afforded special consideration when it comes to um, funding support. So the stories don't necessarily have to be told by women, but they do need to be about women. And they can be fictional fictional or non-fictional. But the aim is to tip the narrative towards women's experiences. And the impact of this initiative we will assess after the round is complete, and it will doubtless inform future BAI actions. Okay, so just to give you a little overview on the area of sectoral learning and development. The BAI provides a lot of support to female focused networks and initiatives. I'll just I won't go through every example here, but I'll give you a couple of highlights. So Women on Air continues to provide mentor-based media training to equip women with pr- practical skills and ex- experience in order that they can engage more fully with the broadcast media. And this year, Women on Air also plan to launch their um, database of female media participants. And This is in a bid to tackle the deficit of female voices on the airwaves. Um, Among its 2018 and 2019 events, Women in Film and Television um, ran a workshop on putting together a successful funding application, which was um, (coughs) run in collaboration with Screen Ireland and with the BAI. Um, It also celebrated International Women's Day with a short film um, showcase at the IFI. Uh, it ran master classes, networking events, it hosted uh, panel discussions at the Galway Film Fla, uh, where this year's Film Fla panel event is going to celebrate female filmmakers. And they also plan to hold a legal advice clinic for independent uh, filmmakers as well. Uh, Grayson Le the the Skillnet, who's an Irish language training provider, this year they're going to run a 14-week course um, designed to address the shortage of Irish language female writers and it's going to be in the children's drama genre. So in total, BAI sexual learning and development funding of over 108,000 has been awarded to women's projects over the last two years. Okay, so now I'm gonna come to some recent sound and vision data, which has been collected since March 2018. So it's actually aggregated data over three rounds of sound and vision. And we're going to look at applications received, and we're also going to look at um, at those that were successful. And the roles we're going to examine are those of producer, director, and writer. So I'm just going to say it's quite high level data in that we've just looked at the applications that had producers, writers, and or directors attached. For example, in the case of the producer role here above, this data relates to the applications that indicated the gender of this role. Um, In a small number of cases uh, the role was marked as non-applicable, in other words there wasn't a producer attached to that particular project or it could have been marked as not stated which meant that the role would be assigned but it just hadn't been assigned an application status or at at this stage so we would capture that data later on at the contractual stage. so, I've just left out those small few statistics just from this slide just for purposes of clarity. I can give them to anybody who wants them though separately, there's no problem. So, as you can see from the result above, the breakdown of female versus male is roughly in the 60 40 category, both at the application and at the award stage. So, I guess it's kind of good for the BAI in that we can infer from this that the selection process and the criteria were good at maintaining the gender balance from application to award. It's also, it's not particularly surprising since we kind of already knew that women were quite well represented in in the production sector. So moving on to directors, we can see a different picture here. So again, the proportion of women versus men remains broadly the same from application to award. But as you can see, there's a clear majority of male directors, both at the application and the funding stage. It's 3169. This is something that we're planning to address, and we've already talked to some of our partners, including Screen Ireland, with a view to developing initiatives that support female directors. Okay, so moving on to data about um, writers. You will be interested to know that there has been significant progress in this area. Um, Some members of the audience here might remember that um, the initial very rough data given at the first symposium held in Limerick in 2016 showed a dearth of women writers. So through various initiatives, some of them supported and are implemented by the BAI, we now see a much more balanced picture of women writers attached to sound and vision projects, both at application and at award stage. So these statistics, they kind of are a welcome development. They show that some of the measures taken by the BAI are working, even though we still obviously need to work, do more. We need to work on, in particular, increasing the numbers of female directors that receive sound and vision funding. Okay, so just, I just want to show you a very small amount of data in the context of the sound and vision scheme review, which is currently underway. So this chart is drawn from a question which featured on a survey of Send and vision applicants. Um, this survey collected 280 stakeholder responses, including broadcasters and independent producers working in radio and television. So the question was, are you aware of measures to facilitate a fairer gender balance? And thankfully, it's good to know that the vast majority of Send and vision applicants are aware of the BAI Gender Action Plan, with a 76% yes and a 24% no. Um, there were some interesting comments made within the survey um, for example the best project should win gender equality in programming should not come at the expense of high quality programming so it's a, a regular you know it's a fair piece of feedback but it is important to note that the projects that go through the um, first stage of um, assessment they're all merit fund, you know they're all at merit and awards. so it's that stage that the gender, um, criteria is applied. So in that sense, the best projects do win. It's just an additional criteria at stage two. Mm, I have to give you I know it's okay. Thought, I know it's yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll just Okay, so let's be just one other comment here was that a broader definition of diversity is needed. That gender is a step in the right direction, but it's not sufficient. So I mean we are aware of this and um, we are working at increasing diversity in other areas. I know we're talking here about male, female, but of course we know that there's a whole other area of diversity, so I, uh, let me just see, okay, that was just, are there, the audience, uh, they were asked whether measures were appropriate and 44% said they were, i I'll just keep skipping forward, do I? Uh, Okay, you can have a quick look there, okay, so that, these were, there was another survey, it was opened up, it was an omnibus survey, so there was over 1,000 respondents and they were kind of general public, anybody could kind of participate in the survey. So just over half of people agreed that Irish content displays a fair gender balance, which I suppose that's that's a kind of good result in a way. Um, But then there's a third of people who don't have an opinion, so what does that say? That's quite complacent. Um, And then one in five believe that uh, broader diversity is not represented on on the media, that more people want to see this as a criteria, which is just what we touched on before. Um, Okay, I did talk about women's stories. So um, the only thing I'm going to say is that the round closed on the 8th of May, so we do have some preliminary data. It's quite rough, but as you can see there, um, there was a dramatic increase in the number of applications with a female-focused narrative. So it went up from 45 to 45%. From twenty percent, and with over a hundred applications as opposed to thirty-five, so that's great. Yeah. Okay, um, okay. I'm aware that I have to finish, so there you go. <laughs> I, thank you for your time. <laughs> um, okay, may I apologise profusely on behalf of Anjuma. <laughs>
3: very
1: important things i know they were important i know they were but we're so limited on time um, anyway look i was going to say some stuff as well but clearly i won't be doing much now but what i will say because i do want to get the audience questions in is it's absolutely clear that in terms of the funders that gender equality is and you know is is noted there is a strong commitment uh, all of that that's all for sure i suppose my 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 few th- points would be. uh, It's great, by the way, the visibility issue has improved enormously, uh, so I think that's great as well. Um, I worry a little bit about, and this is international too, about um, number, we all want 50-50 by 2020. I don't know whether we're going to get there, And when we do get there, I wonder is it going to be a body count of 50-50 by 2020, with the money and the funding still being very problematic. Um, there are problems, not just here, but elsewhere, about women, even in Canada, which has done wonderful things, um, about the money going to short filmmakers, documentary makers, or the lower budget features. So that's... However, the difficulty is you don't want to knock every good piece of news on the head by saying, guess what, there's more bad news. But, you know, we're a very specialised audience here, so we need to to acknowledge that. Um, So I would love... um, I'm glad to hear you talk about producers, uh, and I would be hoping they would be coming on board um, in a greater way. We do need them. Um, so look, that's—I mean, I could be—I had visions of myself talking uh, extensively, but clearly that's not going to happen. Um, so can I throw it up to the audience? Who would like to say something, David Kavanaugh. And may I just say, James, I know you're going to get, we're losing James uh, Hickey, and there will be an interview later, which is wonderful, and I would like to pay tribute to, to James and the work he has done. Uh, but I would also like to pay tribute to David Kavanaugh, who is, in his final few weeks, as CEO of the Writers Guild, and I think it's fair to say has been somebody who's worked very hard for, for all writers, but female writers particularly. So I'd like to acknowledge, uh, David, that work
5: particularly. My hand up straight away because I want to apologise, we have the annual general meeting for writers' guild this afternoon and I need to prepare the documents before half past two so I'm under the pressure. (laughs) Um, The the Board has done, Screen Ireland has done excellent work and the numbers uh, are on the screen uh, and are are real and tangible evidence that there's improvement. BAI has done excellent work, The, the gender policy is really good. And their funding of other organisations including ourselves to, to work in the area is, is, is really good. So we made real progress. But what happened to 50-50? Annie, you never mentioned the phrase 50-50 in your own remarks. It somehow slipped off the agenda. We, we all committed to 50-50. Not to making good progress or seeing how we get on. We committed formally to 50-50. And it slipped off the agenda. Let's get back to 50/50 by 2020. Jim, uh,
3: I did actually mention it. I did. I did say 50/50 by 2020. I think.
5: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we I did. I said we may not get there.
3: No, I said we are still <laughs> committed to 50/50 by 2020, I, I, and we still are, and it, it's we, still I on the website. We
5: re- I think we should really work for that. Yeah. So no, we are close. working for it. I mean, you I. You, yeah. You no, Jeff. With due
3: respect, I did say 50/50 by 2020, and it is still one of the six points on. Uh, Screen Ireland's um, agenda, and I think I said, you know, we're in the 40s on some and, and the 30s in others, from 15, 17, 20. Yeah. So you that know, is still know, the intention. In
5: between 35% and 45% on mm. most of the measures, which is excellent, mm. which means that 50-50 is really, really achievable. Yes. Yeah. It just needs an extra hard push for yeah, all of us, and we can get there. Yeah. And um, I, I, I really hope that we're all going that that, that that commitment is not slipping. No, yeah. no, absolutely it's not. not. It's absolutely it was actually not. in
4: my notes as well, but yeah. I yeah. sped yeah. up at yeah. the end, and I didn't say it. But yeah. we are very aware of that too. My
5: um, yeah. apologies if I rush
3: out. The okay, yeah. I no, no, David, yeah, I yeah, absolutely yeah. did say 50-50 yeah. by 2020. Yeah. So there's no slide back? No, There's no not. slide back on no, that? No, no, no. I mean, what I'd love to say, I think, I, in fact, I said, you know, wouldn't it be great to see 60-40 oh, well. at one point, rather <laughs> you than you 50-50? Don't, you 50/50. don't hear any complaints But no, the commitment is absolutely clear to 50-50. Oh,
1: well, now, we come to the men in a minute, but we come to Jordan Creed first,
0: who has her hand up. Here,
6: Judy. Hi, uh, I just want to ask Lula, yep. in terms
0: of the 50-50 then, um, did you discuss for your per- round 33, did you discuss that it should really be about females making films, not necessarily about women's stories, in terms of content of women?
4: Well, as we said before, you, we have been concentrating on women in leading creative roles, um, and so that's, at the beginning, the focus on directors, producers... And writers. It kind of came from the IFB or the Screen Ireland policy back in 2015 that that was an area where there was a, a big shortfall of kind of women in leading creative roles. So we have opened out actually from round 32, we kind of realised that we needed to widen this a little bit more. So we're also collecting data now on female editors and uh, DOPs and our preliminary results. It's a bit early to tell, but at the moment we mm-hmm. can kind of see that. Editors are quite well represented, but DOPs aren't as quite okay. low as we would have I, I, I think I the, well, think the editors are twenty five percent in
0: terms of ten years mm. on, on the yeah. Screen Ireland videos. Uh, so mm. they're they're actually there used to be a lot more female mm.
4: editors okay. than mm. mm. are now. Mm. Mm.
0: Mm. But it, just in terms of that, I mean because of was yeah. saying like 50 is yes. really, really important.
4: Mm. Yes, um, and I diff- feel
0: that the round shouldn't have been about, you know, women's stories because you get men making women's stories all the time. That's not a problem. I feel the round should have been
4: specifically to deal with the creatives. Okay. And well, to
0: have female writers and female directors there and females in the crew as well. So
4: I think that
3: it's brilliant, you've come a long way. I mean it was eighty one percent male directors three years ago
0: going. So yeah, it's it's brilliant. But I, I think it need the round needs to be a little bit more okay. Yeah,
1: just to say, yes, I, I, I understand your point, Charlie, and that w- that's a hotly debated point, and, and actually was a hotly debated point. But some people at the time, even in groups that I was involved in, were saying there's not enough women on screen, there's not a, enough female perspective, and, and whether it's male or female, we should be seeing women on screen. So that's just kind of one of those things that there is division about, but I, I take the point. Sorry, uh, Yarrow, yeah?
6: Um, hi, my name is Yarrow. Director of photography, uh, a member of uh, board member of Women in Film and Television. Thank you. Um, about two years ago, at uh, at the WIFT uh, event, uh, successful application, I asked uh, this question. Um, I was very happy that Screen Ireland uh, introduced additional funding for uh, if if a project attached a female director or a writer. And I, uh, at the end of the session. I raised my hand and I said, would you please consider ex- extending this to uh, female directors of photography? Uh, and uh, actually, I think the, the, the faces on the on panel were quite shocked and, and the response was, wow, thank you for bringing it to our attention, we will definitely consider this, or we will think about it. So I just wanted to ask, like, what's the progress? Because two years have passed, uh, I still have not seen any initiative where um, we're seeking uh, you know, to attach female directors of photography to projects. Uh, I'm being told that if, if we raise the number of female directors, uh, they will hire women directors of photography, but I will tell you that is a lie. Uh, director of photography is chosen by their reel often, well, sometimes also because they have a relationship with the director, but our reels are our work. And if I am not given a bigger budget than a thousand euro here and there that I scramble with uh, another dir- uh, you know director and writer and I make a five minute short film, I cannot show to women who get an opportunity to direct their features. I cannot show them that I will be a good partner for them to take uh, with them. So please let me know you know how we're doing on on supporting the second director of a movie, the director of
3: photography. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, um, no, it's, it's a good point. We talk about female-led projects and female talent, and the teams do look at the roles um, I mentioned the crew early, we do look at directors of photography, we do look at editors, as well as looking at producers, directors and writers. So I think we are aware of that. I do believe that we've seen evidence that where there are women directors in particular, they do employ more women in the uh, roles like DOPs and crew. We have seen that. But that doesn't mean to say we shouldn't... Yeah, we, that, that shouldn't impact on us looking... For those projects. And the POV schemes, for example, we were very clear that we wanted to see those projects having the range of females, uh, not only in writers and directors, but in the crew and in the director of photography and other roles. So it is something that we are very keen and very aware of. And we do want to see increases in women directors of photography attached to projects. and, And that's something that we are working on, absolutely.
1: Can I just, as you mentioned POV there, because you know, I'm conflicted about this, I have to say, and I wonder what, what, what you would think uh, in the audience. On the one hand, it's great to see the POV schemes. You, you're getting women in there, making these films, and it's now four, not three. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, is it a problem in the sense that the money is so small? Um, it seems to be backbreaking work, from what I hear. Um, yeah. would, would anybody Silo- have a view?
5: Or they could possibly be siloed by... That yes. well. so I mean, there is that, that as well
3: it doesn 't mean that they can only apply for those women only schemes though I mean we, we, are, we have put additional money into feature films large budget films that have women talent and, and women involved so we 're not saying only go in fact we 'd be horrified if, if women were only going for the low budget and only going for the POV but we 're saying that is a very good way for emerging filmmakers, and many of the projects that have come in are people who are recent graduates or emerging filmmakers, so that's over here. But at the same time, we do want to encourage women to go for those bigger budget Films And that is an issue internationally. We're aware of that. So how do we get women to say, you know, put the money in, put the projects in for those big budgets, and we're saying we will give additional money to those projects if they are female-led and female-driven. I don't think it's siloed. I think we, we say to women, you know, it's one way of getting into the film industry, but do not forget that there are all these other... Uh, funding available through the BAI and ourselves and we want you to go for those. But of as well. course you need
1: producers to back you. We need producers those to do that. So we're yeah. back to that.
3: Can, sorry, I, mean,
0: can I just say yeah, just in terms of the POV, that um, because it is a special scheme, it's kind of the equivalent of a one million euro budget because it's a training scheme. Mm-hmm. So it is kind of the same as the one you know, that the what what the production gets is about the same. So it isn't um, you know, the lowest of low in that way, and that there are workshops that help people who may want some extra support. Mm-hmm. So, in that way, I think it is good. But obviously, it's not going to be the only, only that scheme or the only
1: thing available. Okay. Uh, sorry, Birch, Birch Hamilton. Um, yeah. are you you wait for an is
0: there a way to look at that is just look at the data. Yep. So I think both you know, to, to look at the data that to answer questions is, missed, mm. both in the screen or and to, to divide, look at the pie mm. and see what percentage of, of the funding is going to work and what percentage yeah. of the funding is mm. yeah. Yeah. It is the
4: intention of the BAI actually. At the moment we have been focusing on the numbers, but we are aware that we had a commitment as well to look at pay structures and mm. that is in our gender action plan. So I mean that we do collect that data it's a bit more um kind of It's buried a little bit in the sound and vision statistics. It is stuff we can get our hands on, but it's a bigger work piece than just pulling up data on a chart, for example. But it is an area that we hope to focus on in the future in order just to see what portion of the pie is going to females as opposed to males. I think
0: the answer is both. I think the POV is very important in doing special schemes for women women filmmakers, but also not to let that take. I know one filmmaker, for example, went for the POV scheme Exactly. Yeah. Music, you are so much more established than that, yeah. so it's just to keep the focus yeah. on that we have these schemes that are fantastic and valuable and important, but not to take the focus off. Yeah. Uh, huge, you know, really big budget directors, and we can see that especially in the UK that a lot of the higher end drama women's just tend to disappear yeah. and fall off, and, and they, they they're very successful in the lower end.
3: <coughs> and shorts, but to really keep focused on budgets and, and making sure that the funding is going. Uh, to direct it now, isn't it? No. And, and that's why I think the, the point that Susan made about working with the big production companies, which is something that Marion and myself have been meeting with the production companies um, to say to them, you know, you're the ones who do come in with the big budget. Um, projects, what are you doing to get those women on board? You know, the talent is out there. We know those women are out there. There are lots of women who have made their first film, mm. find it difficult to make the mm. second film. You know, what are you doing to go out and find those women and bring those women mm. with those projects? Because, you know, that's a really important thing to do is to, is to get the big scale, big budget production houses to, to get the DNA of gender, you know, to, to get that. And I think that's why one of the things I mentioned was what is your gender plan? You know, if you're bringing in projects to Screen Island, where's your gender policy? Where's your gender plan? What are you doing? And you know, I think, James, it's fair to say that, that's been challenging for the industry. You know, that uh, the production houses have looked at that slightly askance, you know, how do we do that? And we're saying that's the only way we will get more of those big budget productions to come in with female talent. Mm. This gentleman here.
5: I just want to say, um, they were saying about the uh, additional monies mm-hmm. put towards female development uh, productions.
0: Now, how about uh, additional money for men who are writing for female, who are writing strong female leads and strong female characters? Is there additional money for them, towards that or is it
5: solely for women?
3: There's not additional money, but the the project managers and the teams, as I think I said, look very favourably on projects that come in that are female stories and female-led and written about women. So there's another kind of dimension that says, you know, even if it's a, a film that is done by a male, then there is there is an awareness that that film is female-driven and about females, and we would look very favourably on that.
4: Yeah, that's that's what the Women's Stories yeah. round is yeah, about. NBA, that's yeah. about female-focused stories.
1: Yeah. Okay, so I can see Margaret now is taking uh, She's looking uh, yeah, you you to, to get me off. But can I just say one thing before we go? Um, just Eva, just to, to, to acknowledge what the IFI is doing with its F rating and with consideration of programmes. If we had longer, I would say, could you do more maybe? Maybe you could do a bit more. I'm always oh, I pushing for a bit more. Uh, but I would also acknowledge that in recent times you may have heard uh, of the Women of Film and Television Ireland initiative with the 50:50 by 2020 collective in France, where we have now eight film festivals uh, signed up and have taken the pledge uh, to uh, take the first step towards making all of their statistics um, available, who who makes the decisions, who who comprises the committees and all of that, that's all, and of course that kind of information is always the first step towards moving forward, it was the same with the film board, the BI, there has to be a knowledge base for the first step, so I'd acknowledge that, and I would see, Seneva, what you're doing here is part of it. Funding is the be-all and end-on, yes, but to change the culture, we need all of these things going on, and I'm very uh, pleased to say that things are going on in many places, and sometimes we don't actually acknowledge that in fora like this. So I would say, just to wind up, because I'm frightened of Margaret now as well, just to say as Annie was frightened of me, to say I suppose (laughs) I would characterise how I feel about the Irish Film Board now as... um, Celebratory caution would be how I would feel. It's, there's great stuff and there's just no point anymore fighting needlessly with, with organisations that have come on board to a large extent. But I think the devil is in the detail and what looks like a win can sometimes be a whitewash and I think we should just all, all be very aware of that because it's too big a project. And, you know, people said there's no women directors... Take a look at the recent lineup of female directors going ahead. And people said, Where are they? They're not out there. They are out there. And, you know, we can do this. We can actually really change this industry. And I think we're doing very great things already. But I think we can do more. Okay. thank you. See you all next year for 2020.
0: I just want to again uh, express thanks to Susan Saniva and me and Knuda. Also, I you. We will be coming back at 2 o'clock. Uh, there is a special deal in the cafe bar. But could I also be happy both Saniva and Ross. Um, express our condolences uh, on the recent passing of Kieran uh, yes. and Scott and refer you to more information on the IFI website about your work, including a link to of for the Light of this star Handel that Thank you.